At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, ring the bell pod stock. Back with another episode. Just finished a road trip. Went six and two. Heath Bell said we needed to go seven one to make it successful. I still think successful, but we had a long game um, on the doubleheader. It was an extra innings game, and uh, we were post- postponing this episode a little bit. An hour we were supposed to record at uh, five p.m. Now we're here at six p.m. But we have a special guest. Uh, our first guest on this podcast. You know him. You love him. You've probably seen him on the Petco Park big screen a couple of times. Ryan Cohen goes by Ryan Cohen 24 on Twitter. Ryan, did you, did you pick 24 because of Brian Giles or uh, the 1976 to 78 Dave Weirmeister? I'm going to show you how young I am. It's even later than Brian Giles. It was Cameron Maben. That was my favorite player when I was 10, 11 years old. He had number 24 and it's been my favorite number ever since. Dude, Maben. I remember. Oh, he was great. Great guy. That was your I actually saw him on TV the other day. Shit. He's he's doing Yankees games now. Yeah, I was tuned into yeah. Michael K. And I was like, that sounds like maybe. And I looked it up. It was he's one of those guys that I think had so much potential, but never really lived up to his potential. But he was so good. He got traded. It was almost like, I, w- I don't want to label him as a David Justice, but he was kind of like David Justice. He kind of bounced around. And before I know it, all of a sudden he's like, dude, you're over there. You're on this playoff team. You're on that playoff team. Damn. I remember when we first got him, he, it was like the first game of the season against the Cardinals and Cardinals. Home run yeah. dead center. And I was like, this guy is so good. That was the 11th inning. I remember it so well. I was in my mom's <laughs> office. I was 10 years old. It was 2011 and he hit that home. Run. I was like, all right, this is my favorite player. Cause I was a David Eckstein guy through and through. He left the team after 2010. So 11, I needed a new favorite player and Cameron Maben hit that home run opening day and never looked back. I also really liked the Cameron. I liked Mike Cameron, big number 25 out in center field. But I don't know, the center fielders out there always just brought so much swag to the Padres because the Padres didn't really have a ton of swag back in those days. It was kind of just a lot of like gym rat type guys and, you know, you have one <laughs> swaggy uh, center fielder, but that's awesome, man. So Ryan, real quickly, what's your first memory as a Padres fan? I mean, it's, it's a bad one. It was the Matt Holiday never touching home. 
I, uh, <laughs> I was seven and I, I don't like have a memory of any game before that, but that game, I knew I, I watched all the games. I just don't really remember them now, but that game PV was on the mound. Adrian hit a grand slam. Everything was looking great. Trevor was on the mound. I think it was the 10th, the line yeah. drive to Giles from Jamie Carroll and Holly never touched home. I was crying like tears coming out of my eyes on the living room floor. He didn't touch home. He didn't touch home. And it's, uh, it's been a lot of pain since then. You, so. Did you pitch that you game? Brought up, you brought up a lot of bad memories right now. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not even, I'm like smiling to pull back the tears right now. Cause I literally, so that, that year, Oh seven, I couldn't watch the playoffs. Like I, I love baseball and I, I just, I couldn't watch it. I mean, it was so, devastating because okay you know we're up by two trevor gets up we know this is over trevor's pretty much been money all year gives up a double we're like okay no worries gives up another double and we're all like okay it's fine it's fine yeah and then uh what was it he gave up a triple or and and it just yeah anyway i lied i have i have one memory from about a week earlier when Tony Jr. hit the triple off of Trevor in Milwaukee. And that, cause that's what sent them into game 163. So it's the first memories are all very painful. I just yeah. The Milwaukee oh, yeah. series, it was unbelievable because it was the day it was, we had two games left in Milwaukee and we were up by one Trevor comes in and Tony Gwynn Jr. You know, hits the triple and then ends up scoring and we end up losing that game. And then the next game we could have, okay. So here's the thing. Bud Black was his first year managing. And I think this is one of the things I think Bud, maybe if we sit down and have a beer with him, maybe he'll, you know, go, man, I screwed up there because Jake Peavy was Cy Young winner that year, but Chris Young was literally number two. Well, Jake Peavy was supposed to pitch the Sunday game. And then uh, Bud said, no, you pick, if we go one game playoff, if we don't win that Sunday, I want you to go for it. But if you look at the numbers, Chris Young, that was his scheduled day to pitch. And he had better numbers in Colorado that year and against the Rockies. So yeah, that's, that's a, some bad memories. That's a, it's a rookie, <laughs> rookie manager mistake. You know, I just, I, you know, you got to go with your best guy. I mean, he won the yeah. Cy Young, but if you kind of look at it and you sometimes go, okay, one I think Jake should have went Sunday. Right. And then, you know, um, Chris should have gone the next day, you know, in Colorado, but yeah. it is what it is. It is a tough one. It, it, it worked out for you though. That was the beginning of the end of Trevor time in San Diego. And then you well, but in position. here's the thing. The Red Sox won that year and the Rockies, you know, you got to tip their hat to them because they won like 22 straight to get to the world series. But I really believe we were the only team that could have beat the Red Sox in the world series that year because they got, you know, they swept the Rockies, but it was, I mean, I remember that year we had like 19 games we won that I think we shut out. We won 24 of them with only three or less hits. You know, it was it was something stupid, our pitching staff and our bullpen that year. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some good memories because I do think at the beginning of this road trip, it started off really strong. Um, We swept the Reds, of course, the worst team in baseball. Take two out of three in Pittsburgh. The one loss that we had there was a comeback walk-off by Pittsburgh. And then we split the doubleheader against 
the Guardians. So I think there's a lot of bright spots there. I mean, the starting pitching looked dominant yet again. The biggest question mark for me is the bullpen. I mean, Heath, what do we think we're doing here with this bullpen? What do we got to do? I think uh, Melvin's just got to... Well, Lamette, I'm not a big fan of Lamette. Everybody's been a huge fan of Lamette for years. He's I have been the been. ringer, though, I feel like. But I understand. But here's the thing is our closer needs to go, and he needs to pitch back-to-back games. He needs to – we need to d- define our roles. And basically, like, I mean, even Trevor was – you know, he's like a legend, but he p- he didn't pitch more than three days in a row. So he'd pitch three days in a row and then have day off. If he ever – I'm pretty sure he would pitch – back-to-back games in a double header and then the next day have off or something but you got to win now especially i don't know i just i think it was bad managing i really do i mean bob velvin done great but i think he needs to manage the bullpen a little bit better we need yeah. to set so we need to set some roles to find some roles and then just go with it and if those guys don't have it then we'll we'll you lose your job as a seventh inning guy or eighth inning guy and you move into this guy not just be like let's play it safe you already threw this game so you're not going to throw next game no it's about winning every single game it's not about well you threw today now let's baby you until tomorrow so it's it's win everything now because you know what's going to happen september's going to come along man we're gonna be one game out or two games out and you're gonna look back man if i if i could have just done that I mean, as a fan, Ryan, what do you think? As a fan, what do you think? Because I'm going to say something as a player, ex-player, we can do some as analysts, but what do the fans really believe? Because right, I so think you got to give everything you have every single day. That it's. I was thinking while you were talking how interesting it is to hear it from a former player because on my end, you know, tweeting, listening to different people's podcasts, whatever, I see, okay, it's a game in early May. Like you didn't get Rodgers in that second game, maybe they're in the eighth inning whatever, move on, you know, tough loss. But then hearing you say it, you're trying to win every single game. And I've never pitched back-to-back days or the same day in the big leagues. I didn't even do that in high school, you know? So I have, I, I have no idea what that feels like. But what's frustrating about this trip is after eight games, at no point were they losing after nine innings. They, they had a complete opportunity to go eight and no. And if you had told me they'd go six and two, I'd be pretty happy with that. And I am pretty happy with it, but when you have a chance to go seven and one flying back to San Diego, playing the Marlins this weekend at a weekend crowd at home, I think it would have been really, really nice to get that seventh win today and not having Rogers and looked like Garcia wasn't available either there in the later innings hurt. It hurt a lot. Yeah. It hurts extra, extra bad when the majority of the damage is done by former Padres farmhands or former Padres themselves. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just one after the other Naylor hedges frame Reyes. Of course, Quantrill started this game. And it's, it's every team. It doesn't matter. Like it's yeah. not just the Guardians. Tommy Pham on the Reds looks like Barry Bonds against the Padres. Tommy I mean, Pham is is literally going to hit all his home runs only against us this season. Well, I will tell you this. So after, I mean, the Padres had, did have a good road trip. Not the road trip I think they should have had. They should definitely have been seven one or eight. You know, I think they're the average Padres. So I'm kind of a little worried about this road trip. But here's the thing: we had potential of going seven and one. Now losing that game like we did, and we got to fly pretty much all the way back to the West Coast, it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to get riled up. You know, it's going to be good to have the fans out there, so fans definitely come out, but it's, it's going to be hard to r- rally around the troops. And, you know, you start winning, and Miami's one of those teams that just scrappy. They just find ways to win the games. 
Yeah. You know, I will say that they're also coming off of a bad hangover of getting swept by the Diamondbacks. So there's that. They're both going to be uh, fighting for a little bit of extra juice here. But yeah, man, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, it's, it is frustrating to end this road trip this way. Um, one thing I want to point out about the bullpen really quickly. I would have liked to see Mackenzie Gore try to go after one more batter to see if he can get the quality start. But it was at 100 pitches. I'm not sure if that's like a, a, a pitch count for him or whatever. But it seems like every time Stammen comes in, he does his job right away. And they bring him in for another inning and then mm. he blows it. That seems to be a trend all the time, and I don't really understand it. Stammen apparently is the guy who's made the most appearances in Major League Baseball right now as a pitcher actively, but for some reason, A.J. Preller has this boner for Craig Stammen that I just cannot comprehend. He's had it for years. I mean, yeah, I remember when he was brought back, I think it was after the 19 season. Like, no way. And then <laughs> last year, he wasn't terrible. 2020 was tough, but it's not off to the hottest start this year either. Stammen's a good pitcher. I just think he's the typical pitcher. And, and, and this was with me when I was young with the Mets is you, you, that third inning I pitched when I was a long inning guy, as much as I didn't want to admit it, I sucked. I just, I, I ran out of gas. I just did my stuff. Wasn't as sharp and whatnot. Um, yeah. And Stammen, I think he's a good one inning guy, get out of a jam. Perfect. You know, but um, you know who's kind of impressed me in the bullpen right now is what uh, Wilson. I would like to see him pitching a little bit more meaningful roles or a little bit longer than what yeah. he has been doing. So he got I think up he could be the kind one. of the future seventh inning, eighth inning guy. Yeah, I agree. He shoves. He got roughed up a little bit in game one, but he started the season really hot. You know, I just think that bullpen's gas, and we're going to have reinforcements soon. Pomerantz yeah. is going to come back. Michelle Baez is going to be back. Adrian Morahone. Of course, you know, Pierce Johnson hit the IL as well. So Jose Castillo, Jose Castillo, right? I mean, we need these guys to come back in a hurry. But, but also, like, you, okay, we're talking about the bullpen. What starter is going to stand up and give the bullpen a day off? Like, I remember Jake Peavy used to do that. Chris Young used to do that sometimes. You know, you need a starter to stand up and go, look, I'm going to go seven innings. I'm going to go eight innings. I'm going to get the job done. I'm going to give you guys a rest. Joe did the other day. Yeah, Joe. That's my answer, too. So I think the – well, the, the, another point on the bullpen is maybe they'll do a six-man rotation, but they're not going to do seven. So when no. Snell's back at some point probably next week, Clev looks – you know, he threw 90-some-odd pitches today. I, I'd imagine Martinez goes to the pen as a longer guy. I think, I think it's got to be Martinez unless you're planning to send Gore back down. I mean, don't put Gore in the bullpen. We've already talked about this numerous times with Heath, but let's see if Martinez's stuff transfers to the long relief. I don't know. I that's the that's a decision manager and GM needs to make. I mean, but if you bring if you send Gore down, I mean I mean shit. I'm gonna be I, really pissed. I'm very <laughs> against I'm very against them trading starting pitching depth because last season it was so hard to find starting we had to sign Jake Arietta, which was horrendous right do not want that instance again where we there's have no that. reason we had to we had gore down there he was right. pitching well at the time i agree i agree but so once guys again on our... and i don't want to keep jumping on aj but right why are they there's, guy? there's guys in our rotation that have injury history so it's bound to happen at some point if a guy goes down we need to have someone that can step up now the only reason i see a trade happening is if we get a substantial corner outfielder that can replace one of those guys who can't hit for shit i'm sick and tired of seeing matt bd it every day at bats it is ridiculous yeah what do you say ryan <laughs> the outfield is tough right now uh pro four had a nice start but 
Grisham's hitting 170 something. Profar hasn't hit a ball well in a week. Will Myers Will looks like bad. he shot himself before Bay he got hurt. Great. And just like I I don't hate them. I think they're good dudes and like I'm rooting for them super hard, but it is I mean, those three bats right now are well, let me ask you this, let me, Ryan. Let me ask you this because you know, I don't know if you've been listening to us, but or listen to me at least. And I'm a huge Padre fan, love the Padres. I want the Padres to win, but a lot of people think I'm bashing on them. But uh, do you like our any of our trades this spring training? Yeah, um, I like the Manaya deal a lot. Yeah, okay. you know, I'd never heard of the guys they gave up, so fine. Uh, I'm good with the Rogers deal mainly because the bullpen has been bad outside of Rogers. So it would, I can only imagine how much worse it would look okay. um, if he wasn't here. Uh, Beatty. I mean, they didn't give up anything to get him, whatever. Avoid has been hurt. Whatever. I was basically talking about like our offense, you know, our hitter, our hitters. Well, those are the two. The so the, the Beatty one is, is one. And then the right, and Voight. one's the other. And Voight has been so bad. A better way to answer your question, Heath would be, I dislike the lack of a move. I don't necessarily hate any of the moves they made. I just because they didn't give anything up. So but, we just we just didn't go out and get. We got like part time guys. We didn't yeah, go yeah. get an, an outfielder that we needed. Well, yeah. so let me ask you guys this, and I, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to know the answer here from Heath, but it seems like for me that GMs don't want to make moves with AJ Peller anymore. Like it just it really just seems like he is he's run the gamut and he's. He's exhausted all of his options and he's burned the relationships, whether that's because he's hit, hitting home runs on certain guys like Cronenworth and Tatis or because maybe he's an asshole and no one wants to work with him. I vote I mean, for the it, it's, it's, it's painful to see. It's painful to see a guy like Ty France who is tearing it up right now for the Mariners. That's a guy who could have been in our lineup instead of, instead of Voight. Yeah, but then again, you kind of mentioned earlier, like I'm sure the Rays fans look at a guy like Cronenworth and go, how do we give that up? And obviously White Sox fans are saying that about Tatis. Yeah, true. So, but like it's I, every team, you know, like you just mentioned, like every team we play against, like even like Van Meter was in our in our farm system, which is crazy. And like he had like an RBI base hit. It's it's here's the thing. I mean, the Mets could have said it about me or whatnot, but it's <laughs> As a GM, you, you, you've got to make a move. When, when you have a team, and we came into spring training and we were, didn't really have a position, we, have, you know, we could have made a big splash and got a big-time outfielder or whatnot. We're just a guy to be, hey, he's our left fielder. He's our center fielder all year. You know, like when we got Machado, I mean, I know Machado's different, but he's our third baseman. You know? But like for me, you've got guys moving all over. I mean, are we just looking for the best athlete? I mean, Coneworth is great. Kim's great. But, like, we're just – let's play every d- different position. You know, Ab- Abram, CJ, play the outfield, play second base. Why don't you put the gear on, go play uh, second? I don't know. Um, it's just – it's – I like guys in roles. You're my bench guy. You're my shortstop. You're my utility guy. Not every guy on the team is a utility guy, you know. And I knew DH right now, we put Eric there and – we put everybody at DH, but what is it? Is it just a day off? Is that how they're managing now? I'm maybe old school is like, this is our guys. I mean, what do you think about Ryan? I mean, that's, that's kind of my thing is I like roles because I think guys embrace your roles and they, they do better in their roles. Um, You know, and you can have two left fielders that just compete against each other. You're, you're, you're not just be like, well, you're in left today. You're going to go in right. You're going to be a DH. You're going to sit. So what do you think? 
I think that's bigger than just the Padres, though. I mean, that's the way the game is shifting, whether you like it or not. No one really has defined roles, both in the bullpen and in the field, where, you know, Chris Bryant was a number two overall pick, rookie of the year, MVP, and he's playing right field for the Cubs. He came up as a third baseman, you know, playing left. He's all over the place. And that player, the Chris Bryant, the Jake Cronenworth type, is becoming way more valuable in the last five years. You know, the Ben Zobris, Ty France, yeah, where – I, you know, I can't speak to wanting a role or not. I have no idea what these players think. Um, but I think we've seen across the board that the versatility is being valued Yeah. on a higher level. I, I think by, a lot of it is, is also how like the league has been driven to being so analytical these days. Right. So for guys like Cronenworth, for guys like France and Bryant and like Chris Taylor, right? Where it's like, we need to get them at bats no matter what, but there's certain guys on the roster that can only play right field that can only play first base. So when that guy, it's time for him to play, then we move those other guys to different positions. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's great to have multiple, you know, you're athletic, you can do more things, but analytics is the reason Tampa didn't win the world series. So analytics is the reason that it money ball is a great movie, but Oakland it doesn't win the world series. They're not in the playoffs every year. We could say, well, analytics helped Houston, but we all knew they cheated. So right. analytics, what, I mean, what are we doing now? We're just getting a tech. We're just basically in a technology that it's, it's kind of like this, Ryan. We had an episode of cheat sheets. You know, everybody pulls out a card. Well, in my day, you had to remember the scouting report or you didn't play. So now it's like, I feel like they're very good athletes and they're two cents heads because they don't understand baseball savvy, where to go. They have to look to a coach to tell them where to go. And that, that plays another position where if I'm playing left field and then I've got to play second base and then I got to go to first base, I got to know all these different things. No, I don't. I just pull a cheat sheet. Hey, where am I supposed to go? Just tell me where I'm supposed to go. And the best players I see in high school and college and somewhat the big leagues, they don't need that. You don't see Machado pull out cards. You don't see the best players in the game pull out cards like Max Scherzer. You don't see that as a pitcher, Kershaw or anybody. You just see the younger guys, the new generation. So that for me is like, you know, growing up, I used to think about how am I going to face Reggie Jackson? Or, you know, when I grow up and get to the big leagues or, you know, um, you know, who, whoever. And now it's almost like, well, what, what, what's the scouting report say? You know, what, what is the coach? Whatever the catch to, catcher tells me to throw, I'll throw. There's no, there's no thinking. There's no process that chess game. And that's the part of, it's hard for me to watch because I'll sit there during a game. Hey, a fastball's coming. Curveball's coming. And, I, you know, I don't know their signs. So right. technology, I think, is kind of hurting the game a little bit. And then, like, I know this for a personal aspect with the Mets. The cybermatcher guys, the, the – I. I don't know how to word it. The, the nerds, you know, the money ball guys after the game, if the Mets won, those guys were literally, they were had a little like room right across from the locker room. They'd be up there cheering with them. But as soon as they lose, they're the first ones to leave the clubhouse. So what's the, like, are those guys really, are they coaches? Then put a uniform on and go out and manage, you know, right now. I mean, it's it, <sighs> analytics is, is I think, you know, somewhat helping the game, but I really think it's hurting the game more than anything else. I mean, we're not going to do shifts next year because 
it's I don't think it's good for the game. I really don't. So and then you think they banning the ship is good for the game? You think What's banning that? the ship? You think banning the ship is good for the game, or ships are bad for the? I think yeah. I mean, I don't like ships. Yeah, I really don't. Me too. Me neither. I just because I, yeah, there's just so many reasons I could talk all day about that. I'm on the same page with ships, especially you know you're taught your whole life to hit a ball a certain way. You hit it that way, you get the result you want, and then you get to the hardest level in the world, and all of a sudden that's an out. Yeah, I don't like that at I mean, all. You're smoking it. I mean, last year Manny Machado was playing a right field, not right even field. Yeah. not even like shallow right field. Like he was literally playing almost on the warning track. I also think the side of the shifts that isn't talked about enough is the, like as a fan watching a game, even if I don't care about the two teams, it's way more fun to watch Francisco Lindor range to his left, make a spinning throw, and you know get the guy at first as opposed to oh Lindor standing behind second base. He caught it and he makes an easy lob over to first. Like that's not entertaining. I, I like watching the athletes make the athletic plays and the more we limit the shifts, I think the more of that we'll see. Yeah. We would never have the Derek Jeter, you know, his image, you know, jumping up and throwing the ball. If we would have shipped, if the Yankees would have shifted all the time. Yeah. No, let the athletes play. I mean, I, I don't mind it either. And I'm sure Hashtag our boy, I'm sure our boy Eric Hosmer won't mind it either. Uh, speaking of Hosmer, <laughs> man, he is on a complete tear right now. Uh, Heath, just so you know, Ryan has been a Hosmer stan the entire time. I know not, I know a lot of us Padre fans owe Hosmer a big fat apology, but Heath is not one of those guys. He's been a supporter through and through, but seems like he's found a new groove. He's hitting the ball. He's seen the ball really well. Love what I'm seeing out of the guy. Yeah, I, I'll say this again. When Eric did well in Kansas City, the team had something special that year. Yeah, I got a ring. So I'm just saying. Here's been my take on Hosmer this whole time. I think a lot of Padres fans at this point, like hate him just to hate him. That's <laughs> nowhere where I'm at. No. He's got SD on the front of the Jersey and I'm rooting for him. Period. I want him to hit a homer in every single at bat. There were times last year, especially defensively where I got really annoyed, maybe more annoyed at him than any player in the past decade because of the paycheck that he was getting. And it just looked to me as a fan like the effort wasn't being fully put in. I don't think that's true. I'm sure he's trying his hardest. No one wants right. to go out there and strike out, but there were a few critical at bats and a few critical, critical defensive plays that were just frustrating. I don't hate Eric Hosmer by any means. And I want him to succeed. And the fact he's hitting 400 basically this year is awesome. And it helps my favorite team win games, which is all I actually <laughs> care about. I just want the Padres to win. Right. So I don't care if it's Matt Beatty hitting 700. I just want them to win. So that's what the, the fans who hate Hosmer to hate Hosmer makes no sense to me. Yeah. If you hate him or whatever you want to call the word because he's not producing well enough, as long as you're rooting for him when he does well, I can live with that. Yeah, you're honestly a bad fan if you hate him just to hate him. I mean, he, he wants to win just as much as we want him to win. I think, honestly, this is my take. I think the change is because he bought into Bob Melvin. The manager makes so much of a difference. It makes so much of a difference. And I think he's really bought in. And I'm not saying he wasn't fully bought in last season, but it's hard when a guy like Jace Tingler is, is at the head of your, your organization. And Just think of our managers, the last two managers. Rookies. Brand new, never Andy, been in Andy, the he's had He's had Andy Green and Jace Tingler. Well, and... I know this is pre-Hosmer, but the Padres hadn't had a, this blew my mind. The Padres hadn't had a manager with experience when they were hired 
since before Bruce Bochi. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Bochi, Bud Black, say what you want about them as managers. And they've obviously both had very long they were brand new. careers. They were rookies. But they were brand new Padres managers. I mean, you're talking about the night. Like, are you kidding me? So I, I when we hired when they hired Melvin and I read that, I was I stoked. I, I I knew it wasn't wrong, but I just couldn't believe it. It's unbelievable to me. Yeah. I no, I was stoked j- just like every other Padres fan. And I think it's really translated well. I want to transition to another player really quickly because Heath and I go back and forth about him all the time. And I think we're finally on the same page. CJ Abrams, I think he needs to get everyday reps, but it's not the major league level. I think we've seen it. I think he needs to go down. Hostel Kim has proved that he can play every day and has been swinging it really well and plays good defense. And I think CJ needs to get everyday at bats in AAA or AA. Ryan, what do you think? In terms of CJ's personal development, I completely agree. In terms of the 2022 Padres, until Tatis is back, who's the backup infielder? Is it Profar? I mean, he hasn't played infield in two or three years. Yeah. I, I, and I, I know CJ hasn't hit like we had hoped he would, and like I think he will one day. But he's a solid defensive player. He can steal you a bag late in the game. I think he's a fine – if it was – take CJ Abrams, the Uber prospect, out of this. Just examine the player that he's been so far this year. I think he's a fine backup infielder who can pinch run late in the game. Fine. Because he's a top, top prospect that we all want to see become an all-star level player, it might be best to send him down. But in terms of this current team, until Tatis gets back, I just, I don't know who you replace him with. There is one crazy scenario here that I'm sure Padres fans have already thought of. Robinson Cano got DFA'd by the Mets. (laughs) No way. Bring him in on the league minimum, maybe. And I mean, he's getting paid by the Mets already. Well, you think it's going to ruin the feng shui of the team? I mean, he's like best friends with Tatis, so it might be nice in the clubhouse. But what are you getting out of Cano that you're not getting out of Abrams? I mean, Power. Abrams at least has more speed, and he's probably a better defender at this point in his career. True. That is true. I uh, would definitely not do that. I wouldn't do that. The only thing I would do is if there's um, – um, who's playing AAA? In tr- I mean, who's who's playing short and, dub- and um, second base? For the Chihuahuas in AAA, how's he doing? I I haven't looked that up, but if they're doing, if the guy's hitting really well, bring him up. And if he doesn't do well, then it gives CJ like two weeks to to hit every day and then to come back because you know what you're going to get. I mean, just bring somebody. That's why there's waivers. That's why you can move guys back and forth. I think CJ... When he first got called up, he should have been playing every day. He was hot. he was somewhat hot in spring training, and then him going every other, it just is he needs to find that rhythm. He's that guy that needs to have rhythm, and Kim's doing it. Trade him out, you know. Just yeah. I mean, I think I mean Tatis. When's he, Tatis coming back? June, so next I, month. I know. So we got a month away. So we got to win some games. We can't lose these, yeah. you know, two games that we should have won. To answer so, your question but, the, really quickly, the the AAA uh, shortstop is another CJ CJ Hinojosa, Hook'em Horns, Texas baby. It's model modern. <laughs> my argument to what you just said there, Heath, is that I think CJ Abrams currently is the best option as that backup infielder. I don't think it's the best thing for his personal development and his long term status as a Padre. I think him getting regular at bats would be better for him, but. On the team level, I, like CJ Hinojosa is going to be better than CJ Abrams right now. No, no, I, no. I don't think so. Right? 
I, I think CJ Abrams brings versatility on all aspects, outfield, infield, speed. He he's flashed power in spring training as well. Got a good glove. Um, if anything, Just remember, nobody learn. thought Conworth was any good. True. Until he was. Nope. He was never good until we played him, and then all of a sudden he went off. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, Ryan, before we let you go, man, what's one move you want to see the Padres make before the trade deadline? That's a tough question. I mean, it it's, it's obviously a lot can change before July. Of course. Um, assuming Tatis comes back and is the Fernando Tatis that we've seen, you know, the last few years, I think the lineup will look so much better that one extra outfield bat will turn into a legitimate contender because Manny's on another level. Hosmer's playing great. I'm not worried about Cronenworth. If Tatis comes back, that's the best infield in baseball, bar none, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You get another bat in there. I think every every deadline, no matter how far the Padres are in or out of the contention, they always end up trading for a reliever or five. <laughs> Do that, you know, solidify the bullpen. Uh, that's I think every team solidifies the bullpen, you know, whether it's Daniel Hudson or trading for whoever. Trevor Rosenthal um, is still Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, that's true. Um you'd have to ask me again closer to the deadline, but yeah. as of now, some outfield bat and bullpen help. And hopefully, you know, the guys we listed earlier, Pomeranz, Castillo, Morejon, Baez, Pierce Johnson, all those guys come back and are effective out of the yeah. pen. And all of a sudden the bullpen's not as big let's, an issue. Let's go get Juan Soto, huh? <laughs> that wouldn't be bad. That, that would, would not, not be bad, bad at all. Yeah. The Padres. There is reports a long time ago that said that uh, Preller was like thinking about taking him in the drafts. Yeah, he wanted to sign him out of an international That's right. agency yeah. period. Yeah. That's right. Um, Ryan, last question for you, man. You can keep this quick. Uh, what's your favorite memory as a Padres fan? I know we've talked about some bad memories, but like all time, what's your favorite memory? That's such a hard question. I mean, there's there's something that's keeping me around, right? Like I, I haven't watched too many winning right? teams. Um, I've been incredibly lucky, and I've gotten to meet a lot of my Padres heroes. I mean, I'm on a podcast with the guy I watched slide into the all-star game so yeah i literally my brother's not a big baseball fan and i called him yesterday and told him that i was going on a podcast with heath bell no way dude he remembers <laughs> you know that name so stuff like that where you know mark grant is like my buddy now mark grant's the reason i love baseball i i started tuning in as a young kid my parents don't like the sport i tune in as a little guy and there was a big bald dude who made me laugh every night i was like okay i'll watch that it. is, it's they're, I the love best, they're the best broadcast team in the business they're the best i mean i've gotten to meet don i talked to jesse tony jr is awesome uh you know the the different players i've gotten to meet framil reyes is another one of my like i could text him right now and he'd respond like framil you know so i i think sometimes i i wish i could talk to six-year-old ryan and be like dude you are going to get so lucky. All I do is be a fan. It's not like I did something and worked really hard to earn right. this. Like I just like the team, like everyone else. And I, I've gotten to meet and hang out with a lot of incredible people who I've looked up to and watched on TV. And I, that, that to me is the coolest part of it all. I love that, man. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. I mean, I've, I've had, I've been fortunate enough to do the show with Heath, but you know, my other show, the cherry stripe, you know, we've had some awesome, athletes that have come through hall of famers, Heisman trophy winners. And like, it's, it's just so rewarding as like a young sports fan to finally get to a point and like meet your heroes, you know, and it's, it's awesome. But Ryan Cohen, man, thank you so much for coming on the pod. 
Thanks, uh, Ryan. Best of luck to our Padres this season. I know you're going to be there supporting. We'll have to go get a game with you. Find Ryan Cohen on Twitter at Ryan Cohen24. Go on to plug anything else, Ryan. What's your podcast with Balfour? Uh, yeah, that's called The Top Step. It's with Ryan Roland Smith and Grant Balfour, two former big leaguers. They're both Australians. They're hilarious. They go back and forth. And then I'm the little American boy who chimes in every once in a while. And we just had Kevin Kiermeyer on last week. He was an awesome guest. So that's awesome. Um, there are some really good guests in the last few weeks if you want to go listen to some of those too for sure check it out no pods, cool, baby. we got to go to a game together i'd love to i have honestly no idea when i'm going to be in san diego because i graduate in june but when i'm there i'd love to go to a game june, all right july. so we got to go we're going to go the end of june or sometime in july we'll make sure that you come i'm in that sounds like a blast i'll hit you <laughs> up man episode of Ring the Bell Pod Stock is brought to you by you know who, betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today to get your free welcome bonus when you make a bet. Go there, win some money, place bets, baseball, basketball, hockey, you name it. Bet on it, win money. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility it comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.